What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Weekenders. This is the show where we talk about the biggest football games of the weekend, and there are some huge football games this weekend we're going to talk about, um, particularly in college football. Uh, but first, as we've been doing in the past couple of weeks, uh, as it pertains to college football, we got to talk about um, the college football poll, uh, the college football playoff poll, excuse me, and uh, some of the happenings from that. Uh, this weekend was a crazy uh, weekend in college football. Um, and then, but before I go on, Bobby, Lexi, what's up? Welcome. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Good to see you. Um, but no, yeah, the, the, this weekend was crazy. A lot of close games, um, a lot of situations where, you know, teams uh, that were like, okay, in this game, they should dominate. They should win by, you know, however many scores. Like, a lot of close games, a lot of upsets. Things that sort of happen when, you know, teams are either looking ahead or, you know, whatever. It was a crazy week all around. I mean, so many teams. You had Tennessee get blown out by South Carolina. You had um, you had my UNC Tar Heels lose to Georgia Tech. You had uh, close games uh, with Michigan, Illinois. Ohio, Ohio State, Maryland, and um, TCU, Baylor. Um, some of those we thought might be close, but um, just a crazy, crazy weekend in college football. So uh, it all culminates to um, the last week of the regular season, which it's crazy to think that we're even here. I remember when we were, you know, just talking about like, you know, week week zero, week one, you know, getting to this point, and now. Um, this is the end of the road for a lot of teams as we move. Well, you know, before we get to bowl season at least, but um, the end of the regular season road for a lot of teams. And uh, we do have some some change in the college football playoff based on uh, the results of the crazy weekend that was in college football. So, um, Lexi, why don't, why don't you go first? Give me your initial thoughts about uh, the way this week's rankings shaked out. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the top four, obviously, you know, here when Michigan was like about on the verge to lose to Illinois, I'm thinking, okay, well, they're probably going to get kicked out of the top four. But then everyone else followed suit, and it was all about survive in advance. So those top four I knew um, were pretty much locked in and weren't going to change. Um, USC, uh, you know, with a good win um, coming out and, and being number five. But I still – LSU, like, I again, they are just – you know, propping it up to, to, to make sure that no two Big Ten teams could get in, you know, and I just, I don't like that. Um, there's a, a few questionable spots that, you know, I'm unhappy with, and, and they're just really showing such a bias anymore that it's almost like, okay, are you even trying to hide it at this point? Like, are you even attempting to say, oh, I'm going to try to remain neutral here and, and just make sure the best team gets in because it's just not happening. So it's it's frustrating, but, you know. Just went out. It's all all my team can do at this point. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does feel like they're condition, uh, conditioning us to the fact that a two-loss LSU team is probably in the CFP. Um, or yeah, two yeah two yeah two-loss LSU. If they win the SEC championship, they're probably in uh, along with Georgia. Which you know, I I think it's fair. I also don't think um, I don't think they're going to lose. I, I think Georgia's going to win. I think Georgia has that SEC championship on lock. Um, and, you know, honestly, Tennessee did 
the Big Ten a massive favor, as uh, as well as you know the Pac-12, and in some ways the Big Twelve as well, uh, and kind of AC, the ACC with Clemson, but yeah, they they kind of stink. So um, yeah, I, I gotta say the the odds of of two SEC teams getting in definitely a little bit lower than they were uh, before this week started. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. A lot of really good one loss options out there, um, especially if TCU falls and look, I wouldn't discount the Horned Frogs if they lose uh, in the big 12 championship. So the crazy thing about LSU though, is like you look at their resume now and it's so like different. Like, you're like, when, when they beat Alabama, you're like, oh, okay, that's crazy. They're going to get bumped up. But, like, you weren't really thinking of them of having a shot. And now, like, their two losses don't look that bad anymore because Florida State is now ranked, what, 16th, um, who they lost to in the close game in the beginning of the year. And and then you have Tennessee, of course, who, you know, um, it came back, but still a top 10 team in the rankings. So it's like you have that, you know, two loss, but, you know, two – you know, quote unquote, good losses compared to you know USC's um, one loss um, to to a Utah team that's you know uh, ranked at fourteen, and then um, I, I I didn't see the full uh, ESPN broadcast of, of the committee's comments, but apparently uh, they were they were saying that um, USC's defense <laughs> was one of the reasons why they they have them ranked behind LSU. <laughs> So I mean, which is fair. I mean, USC doesn't doesn't. I mean, they they, you know, in those two kind of big games against, you know, Utah and um, and UCLA, they you know you allow forty points in those games. But those are good teams. So, um, you know, it's a it's a tough conversation. It's a little weird. Um, another thing that I, I thought was very interesting too, in looking at the strength of um, schedule for uh, LSU and and um, and USC. Uh, LSU's strength of schedule is 15 um, compared to USC's at 58. So big difference there. Like that's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it, but um, you know, I, I kind of find myself being like, okay, I kind of understand how they got to LSU being above, above USC to be honest. And then, um, and honestly, I, I don't think, you know, if you want to even get deeper into it, like I, I don't think USC and Clemson's resumes are, are that much different because um, I believe Clemson's 56 in, in strength of schedule. So, you know, pretty close to one loss teams behind, you know, a two loss LSU and in Clemson's case, you're behind a two loss Alabama. So, um, I mean, it will be interesting to see it's obviously certain teams have have to take care of business this weekend in their conference championship to get in a certain place, but um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it, how it, how it shakes out. Bobby, I do agree with you though. I think Georgia takes care of business against LSU and settles that whole, you know, conversation there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I also do want to say, I think it's so interesting. The dialogue we've had about one loss USC, if they run the table versus a one loss TCU, because here's the thing. Let's say TCU does lose uh, either Iowa State. That would be a bad loss at home or in the Big 12 championship. If they lose in the Big 12 championship, they've still beaten everybody on their schedule because it's a round robin system. Everyone plays everybody just because you didn't beat them again doesn't mean 
you know, that's that bad. So why are we acting like if, if, if TCU falls once, they're completely gone, but USC, who has had a worse strength of schedule, who does not look like a more complete team, is like, would be better. I think comparatively, USC and TCU, if you look at the the football team on paper, TCU has the better resume in that hypothetical situation than USC. The difference is you don't want to see TCU in the playoff because they're not nearly as fun as USC. That's it. It's all about branding. 100%. You don't want to see the small Christian, the, the, the little small private school who literally could not fill up a jury world with the amount of living alumni they have. Um, you'd rather, you'd rather see USC because it's the brand because it sells t-shirts and because it makes you think of warm, fuzzy feelings when Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart were in college. TCU would be interesting though, because if they lose, and then you have Clemson and USC, you know, went out like then you're and then I guess like I mean you would be arguing them against two conference champions and then LSU maybe or 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 the loser of Ohio Michigan like I mean TCU would have to kind of be in a you you'd have to argue them against a lot of different teams I think yeah um and and I mean no offense but like I wouldn't even be like it wouldn't even be a question of TCU versus like USC or, or Clemson. To me, it would be a question of TCU versus the Michigan Ohio State loser because I That's mean, fair. like that, like that to me is probably more uh, significant just based on you know strength of schedule. Although both all three teams had really bad non-conference schedules so i don't know like it's there's a lot of different layers there <laughs> oh yeah yeah i know for sure for sure and I, w- I will give tcu credit they they made an attempt at scheduling a power five team it's it's not their fault colorado was a dumpster fire uh and you know smu they're okay they're not that bad but um now it's 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 interesting um i will say you know it, it would be very ironic if TCU lost in the Big 12 championship and got kicked out of the playoff because of that. Because the entire reason that playoff or that championship game exists in the first place is because TCU and Baylor got left out in 2014 because they didn't have a championship game. So now, ironically, playing this unnecessary championship game could cost the Frogs at winning a t- at uh, w- getting into the college football playoff, which would be wild and hilarious. Lexi, any final thoughts before we move on? Just win, baby. <laughs> this is all I got to think from here. It's every team, just win. <laughs> well, uh, on that note, let's talk about uh, the biggest game of the weekend um, and perhaps the year. Of my um, life. Of my life. <laughs> <laughs> of, of Lexi's entire life. So far. <laughs> uh, yeah. So far, right? Yes. Yeah. You're right. Um, Number three, Michigan at number two, Ohio State. This is obviously, as we've spoken about on this show, on this show, um, going to be at noon for, for I guess, safety reasons. Um, but should be a fun game in Columbus, Ohio. Like, this is, I mean, we've talked about a, a lot of strength-on-strength strength, um, matchups this year. But, like, this is, like, extreme, like that to, like, times ten. I mean, this Michigan defense it's phenomenal. They're number one in the FBS in points allowed and points and yards allowed. Excuse me. And then um, on the opposite end, you have Ohio State, who obviously has um, an extremely dynamic offense. Um, but let's talk about maybe one of the most important players in this game, 
um, Blake Corm, and also um, if he can't go, Donovan Edwards. Like, what's the latest on the status of those two players? And Alexi, I want to ask you, how does it affect Michigan if, if neither one of those players can go, especially Blake? Yeah, I mean, if no players go, it's just you know, hold on like hell and pray for the best. Okay, <laughs> don't don't leave don't leave the game. And I'm not making excuses. You know, I, I, we stepped up all year. Um, anytime there's been an injury, there's stepped up all year. But you know, Blake Corum, we're not gonna know until like two minutes before game time because I feel like you know Harbaugh's just always been tight lipped anyways, but he's gonna be extra tight lipped about this because he wants to either think that you know you don't. Have to prepare for Blake don't worry about it type of thing but I think that if Blake is even somewhat healthy he's gonna play this game it's the biggest game of his life you know or you know so far for all these guys like I said if if they're gonna be healthy and that's across the board offensive offensive line our defense and Mike Morris who sat out for the Illinois game um you just you're gonna play if you, if you can you're going to so um Donovan Edwards the rumor has it that there's a broken bone between his thumb and wrist so, and that's why he hasn't played for now, I think, going on three games. Um, so, and that's not confirmed. I don't know anything about that. That's just what's been said and what I've kind of heard around. But, like, you know, there's a reason he's not playing. So, um, <clears throat> not having him as a backup and Blake obviously kind of exposed a little bit in that Illinois game. Now, we had a lot of other, you know, uh, injuries in that. But it's it's just going to be playing to your hardest ball you can because no matter what whether Blake plays or not we're gonna have to you know win in the trenches so I'm not trusting this JJ passing game because we haven't been doing it all year I mean if somehow by the grace of God he comes out flying like an NFL player and connecting on these receivers I'll shut my mouth you know but I think it's really gonna show here if we need to start doing more passing throughout the season like if we can't beat these guys on the ground because of injuries yeah, I, I think um, Jim Harbaugh's uh, reluctance to really open the game up for J.J. McCarthy has been kind of damning to me that he doesn't really trust the passing game. And, you know, he, he hasn't had to a lot throughout the season, you know, with how good Quorum's been. And I think you're concerned about that if you're if you're Michigan, because I'll put it this way. Michigan can't win a shootout with Ohio State. If this game gets into a shootout, Michigan will lose. They 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 cannot play that free-flowing, passing-it-around type of football that Ohio State can. And that's okay. That's just not how they're built. Um, so the health of Corum and, and Michigan's running core is, I mean, that's, that's, that's paramount uh, if they want to have a chance at winning this game in the shoe. Yeah, absolutely. Um Let's talk about another aspect of this. Well, kind of the, the thing that I alluded to in the beginning, which is the uh, Michigan's defense versus Ohio State's offense. I I think, like, you know, Blake, if Blake Quorum plays, obviously that's going to help even things out. But I think on the other side, as Bobby kind of alluded to with Ohio State's offense, I'm not really a – uh, I don't want to say like not a CJ Stroud believer, but I feel like when he, when he's uncomfortable, like he does not always like rise above that um that discomfort. I think it, I think it shows honestly. Like I like I, I I that's how I feel about him. So, um, what does Michigan need to do from a defensive standpoint, whether Blake Corn plays or not, in order to 
um, you know, help uh, slow contain, down, like, I guess, or contain yeah. the Ohio State offense, or or can they even do it? Like, what's yeah. what's gonna what's gonna what's gonna need to happen there? I mean, I think that Ohio State's offense was better last year, and I don't know if that's statistic, but I mean, just by the eye. It was, and we had no issue containing him then. And I think our defense is even better than than last year. Yeah, we don't have that edge, like, you know, crazy pressure like we have with Hutchin Ojabo. But, you know, if Mike Morris is healthy and he's leading this defense, the key to this game is pressuring C.J. Stroud because as soon as he's pressured, I mean, he got pressured a lot. And I'll say last, last year he threw for well over, like, 350 yards in the game. So it wasn't that, like, he couldn't, but, like, he would have went off even more had he not been pressured like he was. So that is the absolute key besides the trenches on offense. Like we're going to have to contain and pressure CJ. Um, that's going to be really the the evidence here um, in, in, in winning that game. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's all about frustrating Stroud. Stroud has had his worst performances pretty much across the board, whenever they're on the road, whenever they're not at home in the friendly confines, you know, in Columbus. And, you know, if, if, if this game was at, was in, was at Michigan at the big house, it'd be different. Obviously we saw him completely struggle uh, last time out. Um, so, you know, Michigan's defense is going to have to be on him early, have to really, really make them suffer. And, my thing is, look, it's a good crowd. It's a big crowd. Uh, obviously a massive stadium. But the thing is, the second, the second you get them doubting, when, you know, things don't look right, when the offense, offense isn't clicking the same way, you know, maybe you have a long offensive drive for Michigan and they can't get the ball back. And that those people will be quiet. You can get them quiet easy if you, uh, if you, take away, you know, their moments to believe in, their moments to get excited. So really making him frustrated, get, just getting that sense of, oh God, maybe it's happening again um, <laughs> is, is important. And it's it's about staying consistent as well, because we've also seen with this Ohio State team, they can score in numbers, in bunches. That They were dead to rights in, against Penn State, but they've clicked, it, clicked together, figured it out, and that momentum just avalanched uh, the Nittany Lions completely. Um, final score doesn't nearly reflect how close that game was. So Michigan has to be disciplined. They have to stay stay tough, stay tight all the way through, or else Ohio State can just make can turn things around, make their momentum up like that, especially at home. Yeah, and I'll point out, as we talk about the keys to victory for both teams, because this game was in Columbus, um, last year, I think Michigan should pay close attention to Oregon, the Oregon game last year, um, because of how physical Oregon came and showed up in that game, um, the way they controlled the, the line of scrimmage and the way they controlled the ball, the way they pressured C.J. Stroud. And again, that game was in Columbus. So um, I, I think that sort of game is the blueprint for Michigan uh, if they if – they, you know, want to win this game. I think that's how they have to do it. Um, yeah, Lexi, go ahead. Give us the keys to victory for 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 yeah. Michigan. For Michigan. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be, you know, containing C.J. Stroud, pressuring, and just taking care of the ball. 
you cannot turn over the ball against Ohio State because they'll turn it into seven points. So, you know, no interceptions, no fumbles, you know, and, and, and control the penalties. Ohio State's been penalized like crazy this year. It's like one of the most undisciplined teams. So um, I'm, I, you know, I'm here for, you know, just getting under their skin and getting in their head. And that's what you're going to have to do considering, especially because it's at home at their place. So, Bobby, what are the keys to victory for Ohio State? Yeah, in kind of the inverse of what I was saying about Michigan, it's about pouring it on them early. It's about, you know, making making that offense just absolutely hum. You have all those damn five-star receivers. You have all that talent. You have C.J. Stroud. Go out and run amok on them. And, you know, I think Ohio State has the capability to do it. They haven't really showcased it a lot against good opponents. But, look, this is a game. This is where you step up and show that, you are as good as you think you are. Uh, that goes for Ryan Day. That goes for everybody. And, you know, if if they get on them early, if they get up to a big lead, that momentum, that crowd, it, it, that is a hard thing to bounce back from if you're, if you're a road squad, uh, especially not a particularly explosive one. Um, and I'll also say Ohio State's defense, they need to step up, get turnovers, and make, make Michigan – Either get turnovers, make them go three and out, because you do not want Michigan to have all the time in possession. You want explosive plays. You want that crowd going. Um, that's really what it's about. Just turn this thing into a, a scarlet and gray avalanche uh, and a nightmare for the Wolverines. Alrighty, so we got Ohio State with a seven and a half um, line, which is... Um, I think it's fair. Um, 56 over under. Um, I'll go ahead and say that I, I I have a lot of question marks on this game because, again, like I think Blake Corm's health is, is paramount to um, what Michigan's going to be able to do. I I have to say I'm going to go. I'm going to pick Ohio State only because I don't know, like. Like, I think J.J. McCarthy is fine. I just think, as Lexi said earlier, I think he hasn't had enough chances to go out um, and, you know, prove he can win, um, you know, through the air. So I feel like I don't think Michigan is one-dimensional. I just think they played one-dimensional because it works. And sometimes if you don't play multidimensionally because either you can't or you choose not to, I think that can actually be a detriment. So because that's a question mark for me from the Michigan standpoint, I think Ohio State wins the game, but I think it's close. Um, Bobby, go ahead with your pick. Well, I'm not going to make a lot of friends on the Michigan side here with this prediction because <laughs> I'm I'm big on Ohio State minus seven and a half here. Um, given the injury issues with, with the Wolverines, you know, quorum status in doubt, and really just J.J. McCarthy's inexperience of really airing it out, um, I just don't see him doing it. Uh, especially on the road. Look, they've only played three road games all season long. Those locations at Iowa, at Indiana, and at Rutgers. Not exactly a uh, <laughs> a a, a uh, tour of death uh, for the Wolverines. So I think this is they do, they don't really have that experience of having to gut it out in a tough road environment. And you know, frankly, I just I don't think they're just as good as they were last year. Um, and Ohio State, I think, just kind of gets in and overwhelms them. Uh, these rivalry games, home, home, home team advantage, so so important. I think Ohio State uh, really gets after them, and you know, kind of pours it on. Unfortunately, 
I can respect it. The shoe is going to be pretty impossible task, but um, nothing of these guys can't do. And I can't pick against my boys. I have, you know, I might be nervous to all hell going into this game, but you know, if Blake Corm is healthy, and you know, what one key I did leave out earlier was Luke um, um, Schoonmaker because. You know, they if they try to, you know, take away the pass and then the run, you know, those cross and slants that they murdered Ohio or Michigan with back in 2018. I say we can do that, too. So I'm thinking that, you know, as long as we can take care of that middle of the middle of the, uh, the field, it won't be a problem. I got 38, 31, Michigan. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that should be an awesome game. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a big game for a lot of reasons, but ah uh, man, I I uh, can't imagine how nervous you are. Like, see, no, I can't. It's imagine. terrible. <laughs> I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on to um, another game, which has a little bit of um, an impact on the way things will shake out from a college football playoff standpoint. Um, because South Carolina is hot, a big, big win over Tennessee, and they're going into Clemson, who is trying to protect their, you know, million-game winning streak at home, but also stay within their, uh, I guess, a slim, slim chances of making the playoff, but, you know, maybe an impressive win over a hot South Carolina team um, helps impress the committee a bit um, if they, if they, you know, get a win in convincing fashion. Um, that game is at Saturday at noon as well. It's at the, it's in Death Valley at Clemson. Um, you know, what have been the biggest factors for South Carolina's turnaround? Because one of the things, I mean, they're seven and four, like, you know, they were kind of left for dead, you know, like South Carolina often is at the beginning <laughs> of the season. But, you know, they are, are you know, good team, probably going to, you know, get a nice bowl bid. Um, definitely, um, you know, showed a lot in, in that Tennessee win. But um, you know, what's what's kind of been the the thing that's helped them uh, get get to this point this year? This is one of the more confounding teams I've seen in a while, um, because you know, frankly. Up until this Tennessee game, they didn't look that great. They're fresh off of a 38-6 to loss in the Swamp against a bad Florida team. Uh, they lost to Missouri at home. And then, obviously, to start the season, they got just thwomped by Arkansas and Georgia. So it's been a team that, you know, really, really had a lot of success in the, you know, kind of middle of their season when they're playing the likes of Charlotte and South Carolina State, uh, Texas A&M, of course. Uh, Vanderbilt. So it's not like they, they've kind of done well against poor competition. So a result like what we saw against Tennessee came out of the, out of nowhere. Um, and really, I, I, I think you got to give credit to uh, Shane Beamer, their head coach, and you got to give credit to Spencer Rattler, who really uncorked things and just went off against the volunteers. Can they do it again though? I don't know. I, this, this Clemson team has been pretty vulnerable and it is a rival rivalry game. Anything can happen. Um, but man, we'll see. That's, that's a hard place to go in and play, but I don't, uh, who knows with this Gamecock team? They are so weird. Yeah. I mean, Lexi, how how does Clemson avoid a a letdown at this point? Because Bobby's right. I mean, this is a rivalry game. Anything's on the table. Um, you know, obviously South Carolina is coming in off of a, a big emotional win against a really, you know, 
high level opponent. Um, and now they, you know, have an opportunity to spoil, you know, this, this again, Clemson's hopes to make the playoff. Like, um, how, do, how does Clemson kind of like stay focused? Yeah, I mean, I'd say really not letting South Carolina special teams go off. They've been just, you know, incredible this season. And really, you know, the the reason for their turnaround, um, you know, they're number one ranked overall in college football right now. So not letting them go off on kick returns or punt returns is going to be huge, you know, containing that. Um, and, and, and I'd say really um, – you know, Clemson doesn't let this get away uh, just by stopping, you know, Rattler from like creating any kind of offense. So uh, those are kind of like the two biggest points, I think, in, in, in Clemson keeping this game close or, you know, maybe winning it. Gotta love that Beamer ball uh, uh, special <laughs> teams performance. Like father, like son, you know, doesn't the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Clemson has got a lot to play for. This is a tough spot for them. Obviously, again, we we talked about the stakes already, but, you know, looking forward to, you know, the ACC, ACC championship game. Like, this is a spot where I think Clemson's – I'll say the same thing for Clemson, as I said about Michigan last week. That didn't happen, but maybe Clemson will – maybe Dabo watches our show. Because J.J. <laughs> – I mean, J- Harbaugh obviously does not. Um, Clemson's best interest – is it Clemson's best interest to to take care of this early at halftime? If it's thirty-five to zero, let whatever, like do what you have to do. Take these guys out of the game. Don't give them any hope. Don't give Spencer Rattler any chances. You know, like knock it out early so you can focus on you know whatever you have ahead of you. Like you know, obviously, you know, don't get too far ahead ahead of yourself, but like. You know, I, I think it's in Clemson's best interest to uh, make this not a game by the third quarter so that they can um, relax and focus on doing what they need to do um, in the ACC championship. But um, for South Carolina, like, they, they have nothing to lose. And sometimes when you face a team like that, like, that's that can be more dangerous than, you know, than facing the number one team in the country or whatever. So um, that's going to be a big test for Clemson, obviously. We'll see how they handle it. They are favored by 14 and a half. Um, and interestingly, uh, I guess Vegas still believes in their defense because the over under is 52, even after uh, South Carolina just scored a million points on Tennessee. So uh, we'll see how that goes. It was goes. such a crazy game. I still can't Oh my God. So weird. So weird. <laughs> so insane. I was so, so insane. confused. <laughs> so insane. But, um, but yeah, no, uh, that should be an interesting game. We'll see what happens there um all right let's move on to the third big game um on our list uh this one obviously has a lot of college football playoff implications as well as well and it's notre dame at usc a big rivalry game in la um notre dame was left for dead as well (laughs) uh but they've gotten some big wins um mostly over acc teams and um, you know, funny enough, actually have have struggled um, against the Pac-12 competition this year, but um, had some really big wins. Now they're ranked 15, and they have a date uh, at USC um, in hopes to spoil their season, uh, you know, spoil another team season as well, as they did Clemson earlier this year. 
Um, I think this question, the answer to the question is pretty obvious, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. Is this a trap game for the Trojans? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I I would say that, you know, Notre Dame is playing incredible right now, and especially coming back, being the left for dead. So, um, you know, I I think a lot about even like the Michigan-Illinois game last weekend. It's like Notre Dame's even better than Illinois is. So, you know, if they if they look ahead and try to think, okay, we just want to focus on getting into the playoffs. That's all we care about. You're not going to get it because Notre Dame's going to stop you short. So, um, this absolutely screams trap game vibes. Yeah, the Irish have sort of been the Debbie Downers of college football this season. They 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 roll into town. You you know you have all the momentum in the world. You're like, oh, I'm Syracuse. I'm ranked. Nope, beat ya. Same with North Carolina. Everyone's like, oh, Drake May, look how good he is. And then they go in and beat him. Uh, and then Clemson, as we saw, uh, you know, they were undefeated and they knocked him off there. They have just a way of, you know, showing up to these big games. And then next week, like, we'll turn around and barely beat Navy or lose to Stanford, who has one Pac-12 win. It's 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 they are very baffling. They're very confusing. But at the same time, they play really solid football. Um, USC's, uh, I believe, before this game, USC's uh, toughest pass defense they played all season has been Fresno State at 35th in the country. Uh, Notre Dame, by the way, they're 16th. So they're facing a way, way stauncher defense than they're used to seeing in the Pac-12. And, you know, look, uh, Caleb Williams has overcome a lot. He, he They've kind of relied on him to kind of out-talent them, out-talent whoever they're playing. They did it against UCLA. They've done it against really everybody. Um, but, look, it, if they this might be a pretty tough position for them because they're, they're going to have to play solid disciplined ball across the board. Um, but thankfully they're at home. If this was in South Bend, it would be a totally different story, I think, but we'll see. Yeah. Notre Dame scary. Cause I mean, they're ranked 15th and just like, imagine the type of team they'd be if Brian Kelly was, was still there. It's like this team just does not, does not go away. Um, I mean, I know they're, they're only a year away from like the Brian Kelly era, but like, Credit to Marcus Freeman for the job he's done keeping that ship um, afloat in, in South Bend. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think this might be the – we talked about it last week, how the the Trojans might miss Travis Dye. I actually think this might be the game where they miss him more because Notre Dame likes to control the game on the ground. They've got a lot of um, – they've had a, quite a few 200-yard rushing games this year. They like to use two tight ends. They're very old-school type football like physical type game and so that this is a game where like you know you'd like to be able to run the ball and so I think this might be the spot where uh, again USC is kind of having a missing you know having Travis die there I also noticed speaking of Caleb Williams in his past defense as Bobby you sort of mentioned earlier um, Caleb Williams as great as he is definitely uh, could play his way um, into pretty much like, you know, locking up the Heisman if if you know he he's performs well in this game and in, in, in the Pac-12 championship, but um, he hasn't had he hasn't been very, like really consistent in in the passing uh, from week to week, it's especially when it comes to his accuracy. Um, you see, you look at his like his from game to game, it's like seventy three completion percentage, then like fifty seven, like. It's very up and down, um, hasn't had back-to-back 
um, completion percentages at 65% or higher since weeks two and three. So this last week, I believe his completion percentage was like in the 70s. I feel like this could be a spot against a great Notre Dame pass defense where that falls back down. So if that does happen, like, you know, how does it affect the rhythm of the uh, of the Trojans? Um, you know, especially when you don't have, you know, you're starting running back. So I think that, you know, you have to take all that into consideration um, mm-hmm. in, in this game. And I think it's going to be a very, very tough, close uh, battle. It's, it's it's impossible to predict, um, you know, who's who's win, who's going to win this game, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, think, uh, if you look at it, the last time he's had to play like a really, really, really good defense might have been Oklahoma State uh, when he was at OU. I, I mean, Utah was good. Don't get me wrong. But they just weren't, they got roasted. So we'll see how it goes. He looks better than he did last year. Um, But I'll say this for Notre Dame. And I said this earlier about J.J. McCarthy and how you don't want to get in a shootout with Ohio State. If you're Notre Dame, you don't want to get in a shootout with Drew Pine under center. That is is not a way to win a football game. So it'll be about a lot of pace for Notre Dame, taking USC off off rhythm, three and outs, frustrate the hell out of Caleb Williams, see what you can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the line on this game is USC minus five and a half, uh, over under 64 and a half. To me, um, to me, I think who this is going to be a tough game. I think like no one will be surprised. This is one of those games where no one will be surprised if Notre Dame wins. I'll, I'll just put that out there. Like, Notre Dame winning to me would not be an upset. I think it would. It's it's completely on the table. Not going to be surprises all at all. I just I think at this point in a in a game that's going to be this close after an emotional win against UCLA, I think USC's performance won't won't look as good. But I think if it's if we're in a position where you know here go here you know, here it is for all the marbles go make the last play. I think I I have to put my faith in Caleb Williams at this point. Um, And I think USC wins this game close. So I'm going to say that uh, Notre Dame comes in and and throws an upset. It's kind of just what they've they've been good at this year. And not that I sit here and say I I would like enjoy Notre Dame winning, but – I'm in the business of just having everyone beneath us knocked off. So if something happens, one of these, both of these Big Ten teams are getting in. So give me Notre Dame with the upset. Um, I just, want, I think it'll be by three. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say um, like 42, 41 or something. I don't know. <laughs> Within three. Yeah. All season long, I've been trying to pray and pray on USC's downfall. Each time they keep narrowly squeaking out wins. And you know what? They probably will again, but I don't think they do it by five and a half. I'm going to go uh, Notre Dame plus five and a half. I think the chance for an upset's there. I think they definitely keep it close. I think they give USC's offense a ton of struggle. But look, Caleb just keeps p- uh, pulling rabbits out of his hat. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm no, no longer optimistic about them uh, losing in these situations. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I mean, I can agree with Lexi. I I, I want, um, I am rooting for a, a, a bad Caleb Williams performance and a USC loss um, <laughs> as well. But I think I don't know. I feel like 
it's going to be one of those games where he just, like Bobby mentioned, just finds a way to win at the end. Um, we didn't do picks for Clemson, South Carolina. Um, I, I'll just go ahead and quickly say I think Clemson wins that one. Does anyone? I like Clemson as well. I like Clemson as well. They've been on a roll since losing to Notre Dame and, you know. Yeah, they, I, can't, I can't think two upsets are going to happen. <laughs> That's kind of fire. Clemson's probably going to take this one, although that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, well, Clemson's defense is also so good at mm-hmm. just frustrating quarterbacks. And, you know, as the resident Spencer Rattler expert here, yeah, he's easy to <laughs> he's easy to completely unravel and just give you an awful performance. And if Clemson's defense gets to him early, it's it's curtains. Yeah. Uh, interesting, though, I mean, South Carolina and USC are two teams – that are both coming off emotional wins. Um, so we'll see how that affects each team. I think that's going to affect South Carolina way more than it will affect USC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I got Clemson um, taking care of business there. This podcast has just been me talking about my exes, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's a lot of podcasts. So you're, you're good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, well, listen, let's go to the NFL. Um, should be a, a – Exciting weekend in college football. I can't wait for it, but um, let's talk talk NFL. Um, and hey, actually, that you just sparked my uh, – oh, never mind. Wait, is, is is Oklahoma eligible yet? Oh, yeah, we're in. Okay, so yeah, I was going to say you get to enjoy your last – oh, you did. You got one more. <laughs> nah, we got – we got. <laughs> I hey, I'm getting all pu- pumped up for the guaranteed rate bowl or, you know, who knows, who knows. Uh, the the Welch's fruit snacks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we if we if we beat Texas Tech, we can go to the Cheese It Bowl, and I am so excited to get. I have been wanting, I've been wanting a cheat an OU Cheese It Bowl shirt, but I have not wanted them to be bad enough. And somehow we got so bad that we weren't going to make it, but maybe we might make it this time. So there you go. There you That's go. That's funny. All right, all right. On to the NFL. We got Bengals at Titans, a rematch of last year's AFC divisional round where. The Bengals found a way to win despite Joe Burrow being sacked nine times. Um, Joe Jamar Chase um, will be back for this game. Um, so good news for all you fantasy football players out there that have Jamar Chase. I am one of them. <laughs> um, I'm excited to have Jamar Chase back um, in my lineup. But, yeah, Tennessee Titans, we've talked about them before, um, playing very good football, not getting enough respect. They just beat Green Bay and Green Bay, like, you know, last Thursday, which was insane. Like, you know, they had a lot of injuries, and, and to win that game is, is, is absolutely wild. So they sit at 7-3. The Bengals sit at 6-4. and four. Um, Big, big AFC game. Could be a playoff preview if he, if these two teams may, might meet up again sometime, sometime down the line. But we know Jamar Chase is playing. Um, this is sort of a fun question, not really concerning the game, but um, looking at the what Mike Vrabel and the Titans have been able to do the last three, four seasons, however long he's been the head coach there, uh, do you think Mike Vrabel is a top five NFL head coach currently? Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, I, I would just say just because of the way that he's like kind of built the identity and like toughness um, for that franchise again, and it and it really revolves around him. I mean, that's just who he's been always. You know, even back in his Ohio State days, just always kind of that tough guy. So um, I, I like what he's doing. I think 
he's had some unlucky breaks here in the postseason, you know, that 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 is kind of not reflecting on what he is and what he's been as a coach. But I'd say, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love, um, you know, for him to be the co- you know, coach if, if, if Dan Campbell wasn't or something like that, just because he's a just a, a tough guy that's not going to put up with any shit. So he's going to he's going to make sure that things are going to go as smooth as they can. And I, I think I like what he's done in Tennessee. He just needs to catch those lucky breaks uh, there in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you you hit it right in the head. He's built a model of consistency there in, in Nashville, you know, with with the Titans, and you know, he, like I, I feel like too many times we base a coach's success off what they do in the playoffs. Uh, it's the NFL; anything can happen in that. And you know, if, if you're looking at that, it, it's kind of like the whole rings debate. If we're talking about like the NBA, you know, you can be good and not win a title. You know, just because what. Um, Brian Scalabrini won a ring doesn't make him better than, you know, Russell Westbrook. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that kind of goes for, for uh, playoff wins as well. I think what they've done has been impressive over the past couple seasons and sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll consider him top five. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches in the, in the uh, league right now. I think it's going to be, it's just so tough because we're in this kind of place where like, there's the guys that have like, there's a long time head coaches right that have won Super Bowls, not ha, not a, has they've not had that much success as as of recently, but like, I mean you still have to, you know, give them their credit right. Like John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, um, you've got um, you know some of the new guys like McVay and Shanahan who you know have done pretty well as of late. Of course, Bill Belichick's the goat, so. Um, Vrabel's, you know, definitely in the conversation of a top five coach to me because of the consistency that he's shown, you know, through through the time he's been there. It kind of reminds me of uh, what John Harbaugh's done in, in Baltimore. Like, they are Baltimore's always good. Like since the Joe Flacco days, like you know, you know, always a playoff team. You know, from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, you know you know, always been able to, 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 you know, be in the conversation. And that's what Vrabel's doing there in Tennessee. He started with um, Mariota and, and Tannehill. Um, I think they're, uh, at some point they're going to have to bring in a quarterback that can do a little bit more than I think a Tannehill will be able to do in the playoffs in order to take that next step. Um, you know, it might be a guy like Derek Carr, or, you know, somebody that like is just a little bit better in order to, you know, take you to the next level in the playoffs. But um, you cannot argue with the consistency that uh, Vrabel's been able to show there in Nashville, like like you mentioned, Bobby. And um, definitely the best Belichick, uh, the best of the Belichick coaching tree, like <laughs> without question. Um, and, and, yeah, you can at least say that for the guy. But, um, yeah, I think he, I think what he's doing should be, should be giving a lot more shine and credit. Um, but the Bengals in this game are favored. It's pretty much pick them at minus one and a half over under 42 and a half. Um, I think the Titans are just finding ways to win. Derrick Henry is running the piss out of the ball. Um, <laughs> this should be, this should be a great uh, physical matchup. Um, the Bengals with Jamar Chase, uh, are obviously an explosive offense. We'll see. Uh, kind of what happens, but um, I think I'll take the Titans to win this game. 
I like the Titans as well at home. They've been on a roll. Let's go with them. Yeah, I think I think with Jamar Chase being the first game back, that um, that chemistry is going to be a little bit cold. And like you said, Tennessee is just finding the way to get it done right now. So um, they they went at home. Alrighty, let's move on to uh, the last game we'll talk about this evening, and it is the Green Bay Packers and Philadelphia Eagles. That's the Sunday night matchup. Um, this game probably folks would have thought it would have been <laughs> maybe a little bit higher stakes, but I mean, it's high stakes. I mean, the Eagles, I believe like if they win this game, I, like maybe they need another win or something, but I mean, they're, they, they'd be close to clinching the playoff spot. They're at 10 and one Packers lose. You're essentially like hanging on to your playoff hopes by a thread at four and eight. Um, not the season that folks maybe thought the Packers would have, um, but they just haven't been able to figure it out. We just talked about their loss to the Tennessee Titans, like um, you know, not great considering the injuries that were that were on Tennessee, and you know, you're you're at home in Lambeau um, in that environment. So um, if they do lose at this point in the season, and obviously you know you look at you know the, the rest of the way, and there's not much really to play for. Um, especially, you know, with the Vikings who are going to run away with the division. Um, should the Packers think about sitting Aaron Rodgers if they lose this game? And yeah, let me – let me, yeah, no, go ahead. I, you, you go ahead. Yeah. You go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, just to add context to the question, like, like, okay, you think maybe why would they sit him? Like, a lot of folks have been talking about, well, let's – perhaps the Packers should see what Jordan Love, you know, has – um, you know, to see if they could possibly, you know, scrape up some trade value for him or or decide if they can continue with Jordan Love and possibly move Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Like, there's reasoning sort of behind that, not just, you know, sitting him for the sake of sitting him, but the Packers obviously need to figure out what they need to do, you know, next steps-wise. So, you know, with that, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Green Bay just confirmed that uh, Rodgers' right thumb is broken. So that's obviously not great for him. And my thing is, look, it's not getting any better. I, I don't know if it's necessarily Aaron Rodgers' fault that everything's going bad. Um, yeah, But at the same time, he's not helping the situation. This is a team that needs a long painful rebuild frankly it's it's just the way of way of how, how teams go in cycles and this cycle is over for the packers and you know that's remarkable you got to give it up to them you know that the transition from Favre to rogers is great but now it's over uh so i i think yeah you sit him you, you might try to send him out i don't know how many teams want him at this point you know a a, a pretty old kind of damaged goods guy who's going to give you nothing but bad PR, you know, why, why, why do you want that? on? <laughs> at least here's the thing. At least like, for example, Kyrie Irving can play well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of can't, you know, he's, 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 he's past his prime. And, you know, I, I think he just shut him down at this point. There's no point at playing him. Uh, this is a lost season for the Packers at this point. It's going to get even worse on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, shut him down. Show's over, folks. Time to reset. God, that's like music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving every bit of it. Um, yeah, you know, 
uh, the show must be over finally. But, you know, the thing is, if, if you bench Aaron, there's going to be no going back from it. So it's like if you bench him at this point, you know, he, he's gone. And I think that's what is it, what it's all coming to, you know. You know, the, the fat lady singing, it, it, it's over for Aaron and Green Bay in this relationship. And, you know, he, he, had, he did. It was a great transition from Favre and it's been – you know, thank God it's only been two Super Bowls and all that stretch of time. But, um, <laughs> but you know, seriously, for how much, you know, they, they think that they're the God's greatest gift. It's like two Super Bowls with those quarterbacks. Come on. Can you imagine, like, 40 <laughs> years of <laughs> the two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game when you have two Super Bowls? Like, only two. That's insane. That is absolutely it is. insane. It is. Oof. But, um, I, I'm I'm ready to see what Jordan Love has, though, and that's just speaking unbiasedly. That that I think that he is your next thing, and you don't want him just sitting here and, and and watching this all burn, and then think, okay, well, why aren't you playing me now? So it's really it's a very important decision for them to go. But I think that they should. I think it, it's time, and and just knowing that they, they once they make that decision, though, there there is the bur- the bridge is, is burned. So. I have a question, kind of outside of this. Would you rather? have okay 20 years one super bowl would you rather have the super bowl at the beginning of the run or at the end which would be more painful going through 20 years and then finally getting it or getting one and then be like oh we're gonna win a bunch of super bowls and then getting nothing else i'm picking the end give me you know the struggle and then at the end finally you get one sort of like yeah, like that. That's that. That's what my headstone's gonna say when I die. Okay, <laughs> all that she wanted all this time was the Lions to win one time. So, oh my God, yeah. like I can go out like that. I mean, no. it's all, it's almost like Lions fans who were like, "Oh, Matt Stafford finally got one after all that time," even though it wasn't with Detroit. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, no, to, you felt good for him. You did. You yeah, because it's a struggle. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you guys. I would hate yeah. for it to be at the beginning and then you just think. It just, it's a demise after that where I'd rather, I've struggled. I've had nothing. So yeah, give it to me in the end. I've already paid my dues. I'll, I'll appreciate it way more, you know, than I would in the beginning. Just yeah, imagine. I, I'm with y'all. Go yeah, ahead, Yeah, I mean, no, no, you're good. I was going to say, just imagine like Chiefs fans, like you, if you tell them, oh yeah, there, there's, there might not be another one. They're like, blasphemy. Like, it's just like. <laughs> You know, it's like they, they 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 won't believe it, but like, and it's hard to believe, but just like that's a possibility. Like, you know, I mean, Patriots like, fans are getting smacked in the face of that now. So. Yeah, at, at least the Patriots won like six of them, but like, yeah, yeah. I know. I but yeah, but yeah, no, winning one with an with a young quarterback, you'd be like, we're about to be the next dynasty. Like, just, and I think that maybe is a cautionary tale. Just enjoy the one. Like, and yeah. what happens happens. I know as an, as an OU fan, you know, we won the one in 2000 and that was like the first year I was like cognizant of sports and I barely was into it because I was five. And then ever since I've just been like, oh, I, we're going to get another one and we haven't gotten anything since. So I, I think y'all, y'all are exactly right. You want it to come after a long period of time of pain and suffering because then, you know, you, it, it'll feel earned instead of like something that just should happen every other year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, you know, this game, Eagles-Packers, um, this is, I, I mean, Eagles favored by seven. I think the Eagles uh, Eagles minus seven is, especially with the Aaron Rodgers broken thumb news, easiest bet of the week. 
um, for sure. And uh, I, I think the Eagles come away with this one for sure. Um, no, no questions asked. Over under is forty six. Um, should be an easy dub for the for the for Philly. Yep. yep, yep. I think Philly rolls big here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Same. Alrighty. Well, let's get to uh, the final part of our show. Uh, the fun part we get like to call it lock of the week. Um, we have not done well this year at all, but uh, Lexi is still uh, beating Bobby and I um, with her four and five record. Bobby's at three and six, myself at two and seven. Uh, all of us took an L last week. I had Michigan and Illinois with the over for forty two. Um, that was well, it wasn't that bad. I, I think they, the total was like thirty six, so it was like a few points off. But unfortunately, um, did not get that um, to, to cash. Um, Bobby had, uh, the Chiefs minus six and a half, um, that was a closer game than we thought. And then, um, <laughs> Lexi had Vikings winning outright and the Vikings got beat. Like they stole something. This is um, what happens when I rely on Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, this is why oh, I never bet on anything with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. 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 Some, we- some. We need Alabama back on the slate so Lexi could get some more wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Alabama on the road, the road team covers. I mean, the home team covers. Like, those are easy yeah. bets. Fade, just um, fade, ba- fade Bama. Yeah. Yeah, fade Bama. Bama easy, easy, easy money. All right. Uh, I'm going to go first in my log of the week. I'm taking, um, like I said, easiest bet of the week. I'm going to take Eagles minus seven uh, against the Packers. Gonna try to get an easy win on the board this week. Um. Okay, I'll go next then. Uh, I hate to do it. I'm fading uh, Michigan. Ohio State minus seven and a half here. <laughs> I think they uh, get a big win in the shoe. I I think just everything's trending in their direction. So, um, by the way, you're welcome, Lexi, because now it probably won't happen. <laughs> so right, there you I go. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was like kind of, kind of a toss up here. Uh, I, I think I'm going to take, um, with North or I'm sorry, Notre Dame at plus five and a half. Um, like, like we were talking earlier that Notre Dame's definitely going to cover here and, and, and it's going to definitely pull off a win. So let's hope. (laughs) Let's hope. Let's hope. All right. Well, those are your three locks this week. We've got, um, the Eagles at minus seven for my lock of the week. Uh, Bobby's got Ohio state minus seven and a half. Uh, against Michigan and Lexi's got Notre Dame plus five and a half versus USC. Three interesting locks, a lot of great football. More, I mean, the, even the games we didn't talk about, there was, there was a lot of good football this weekend. So enjoy. Um, well, actually, never mind. Let me not say that because I don't know when he's going to put this out. But um, <laughs> anyway, enjoy all the football. Um, enjoy everything. Uh, y'all stay safe. We'll see you uh, next weekend. We're going to talk about championship weekend in college football. Probably won't get to the NFL at all because, you know, we got a lot of championship games to talk about. But um, should be a lot of fun. So we'll see you right back here. This has been The Weekenders, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. Peace. <laughs> see y'all. See you.